Amen. You can have a seat. You know, this is how well marketing works. Leanne and I saw a couple of Dairy Queen commercials a couple weeks ago, and then one evening when I was here a little bit late, I thought, you know, a blizzard would be really good tonight. And so I thought I'd get one on the way home and we would split it and I went to Dairy Queen and I hadn't been there in a long time and I looked at the menu and it seemed like it was in some foreign language because like everything was different from what I was used to. All the flavors were new and they didn't have any of the familiar ones and I was looking on that screen and thinking, what am I going to order? And it's like I was suddenly frozen, right? Like they're saying, what would you like? And I'm thinking they need an answer and I don't have one. And I, all I can see is like cotton candy blizzard. And I know that's not what I want for sure, okay? And finally I saw one and thought, okay, that's fine. Chocolate caramel cheesecake, how bad could that be, right? And it was pretty good. And I took it home and I did share it, I promise. But maybe you've been in one of those moments where like you just didn't know what answer to give because you weren't sure what was the best thing. And I think we find ourselves in that position sometimes, sometimes even with God, right? God can sometimes put things in front of us and we're not sure exactly how to answer. Like, he might put an opportunity to serve him in front of us. Maybe we are uniquely positioned with our gifts and experience and our contacts to do something for God, possibly something no one else can do, and we're thinking, should I, should I do this or not? That's what I want us to think about over the next few weeks in this series that I'm calling What's your answer? What is your answer to God when he calls on you to serve him? Now, sometimes when God, God gives us an opportunity, what we want to say to God is, no, I don't want to do that, okay? That's not something I want to do. I mean, there are plenty of things in our lives that we don't want to do. Most of us are not excited about going home today and cleaning a bathroom or weeding a flower bed. There's all kinds of stuff we don't want to do. In fact, some bigger things too, like maybe you're a little scared of planning your financial future or career or whatever it may be. You're just not interested in doing that. And sometimes God puts stuff in front of us and we just want to say, I don't want to do it. Well, I want us to think about that today. In this series, What's Your Answer? We're going to be studying, in some ways, a negative example. Someone who can teach us what not to do so we can learn what we should do when God places a call on our lives. And the person is Jonah. So we're going to study Jonah's story. Now, when I say Jonah, lots of people just think Jonah and the whale. That is part of the story, but that's chapter two. We're going to cover all four chapters. There's more to Jonah's story than just being swallowed by a whale. So I want us to see all that, but Jonah really struggles with God's call on his life. So in Jonah chapter one, it actually begins much like a lot of other prophetic books. The beginning is the word of Yahweh, the Lord, the Old Testament God, the God of the Israelites, okay? The special name for God that the Israelites knew. The word of Yahweh was to, in this case it's Jonah, but it could have been Micah or some of the other prophets, all right? We see that all the way through the Old Testament. The word of Yahweh was to, and then usually the next verse is, the prophet starts laying that oracle out in front of the people. Maybe it's the whole kingdom of Israel or when it's divided, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes in the north and the two tribes in the south. Or maybe some foreign country, God has an oracle for them and the prophet speaks that oracle. Occasionally, like we read Isaiah earlier, the prophet says, I'm not good enough. And God says, I've called you. I need you to do this. 
and they go. But that's not what we get in Jonah. Now, in verse 2, God says, here's your message. This is what you're supposed to do. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I never want to be in a city which God has sent a prophet to preach against because of the wickedness of that city. Good things are not about to happen when you hear that, okay? But God calls this a great city. And we see the word great show up several times in the book of Jonah, and it usually signifies something important is going on. And when God calls the city of Nineveh great, it could mean large, which it was. But when the people of Israel heard their God, Yahweh, calling a city in a foreign country great, that would be a little surprising because it means it's important to him. And why is this city in some foreign place important to our God? That would be a question that people would be asking. Okay? Jonah's called to go to this great city and preach against them because it's an evil bunch. That's God's message to Jonah. Now, everywhere else we see a prophet, the prophet says, okay, I'm ready to go. Jonah's the exception. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from God. He ran away from Yahweh and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, which was a coastal town, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from Yahweh. Okay, we got a map, and you can see that what Jonah was supposed to do is go northeast. And what Jonah did was he went as far west as he could possibly go. He went down to the port, paid his passage, or maybe even hired the ship, the language says, and he went to Spain, okay, as far across the Mediterranean as you could go. Why did he do that? Because he thought he could escape from God. Here is a prophet of Yahweh, one of the people of Israel who worships this God that is described in Genesis all the way through this passage in Jonah, and he thinks he can somehow get away from God and the work that God has called him to do. Now the question is, why? Why did Jonah do this? Well, it's because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to take the job that God has called him to take. He doesn't like the people of Nineveh because they are Assyrians, okay? And the Assyrian Empire has become very powerful. It's invaded surrounding countries, including his kingdom of the, the, the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes after it's divided. And they have occupied them. They have uh, called for tribute. They've taken their young men away to serve in their army. In fact, we have a carving of the king of Israel giving his tribute to the great emperor of Assyria. Okay, So they are a hated people, and Jonah wants nothing to do with them, even if it means preaching against them. And so he tries to escape from God. Escape from the God who is everything, the God who created all things. Somehow, Jonah thinks he can get away from that God if he goes far enough. So he hires the ship or pays his passage, and he gets on the ship and they begin the voyage. But before long, God sends another great thing, a great wind 
Okay, this is appointed by God, a great storm, so that it even seems that the, the ship is going to break apart in this storm. We pick up in verse 5, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. What we have is sailors who are not Israelites. The people of Israel were never a seafaring people, okay? That's just not who they were. And so if you needed passage, you would hire someone maybe from Ugarit, which was to the north, worshipers of Baal. In fact, they had a statue of Baal way up on a cliff that you could see far out to the sea because they were a seafaring people, the God of thunder, okay? They worshiped him. And so when the storm comes up, they're praying to their God, their great God. They're probably praying to gods of their cities. They're probably praying to the gods of their own families because each family has their own gods, their household gods. So all this is going on. And where's Jonah? In the midst of this great storm, it's almost comical, he's in the belly of the ship asleep. And no one can sort of believe that this is happening. And so the, the captain goes down to Jonah. He says, you got to wake up because we're praying to any God we can find to deliver us from this thing. And in fact, we're pretty sure somebody's God is not happy because in the ancient world, if something calamitous happened like this, it's because a God is mad. And so they're saying to Jonah, wake up. It might be your God who's mad. Pray to your God that he won't kill us. And they decide that what they should do is cast lots. Because that's the way they could sort of divine what the gods were doing. And so they cast lots of everyone on the ship to see who's responsible for all that's going on. Because somebody has done something wrong. And so they draw straws and guess who gets the short straw? It's Jonah. And suddenly he's the, the subject of a lot of questioning. Jonah, where are you from? Jonah, who's your mama? Who's your daddy? What kind of work you do, Jonah? Who is your God, Jonah? And this is what he says in verse 9. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Okay, this is the same guy who thought that somehow he could get on a ship on the very sea that God created to escape God. It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Jonah is terribly inconsistent, terribly confused in the midst of all this. To think that somehow he knows that God is the one who made the earth, made the sea, everything that fills it. He's read Genesis just like we have. Somehow... Go to that sea to escape the God who created it. But that's how messed up he is at this point. Because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And somehow he tells these sailors as well that, that he's trying to escape God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, this God that they're being introduced to in this storm. And they get scared to death. And so they say to Jonah... What are we supposed to do? What can we do to calm your God down? And here's the thing that really shocks me. 
If we look at the Old Testament, we see plenty of times when people did something that was wrong, that was sinful in God's sight. And they may go to God and ask what they're supposed to do, or they knew because this is the way it always worked. You pray, you repent, you offer a sacrifice, you obey God. Okay, over and over, whether we're talking about kings or peasants, if you do something that offends God, you pray, you repent, which means I'm saying I did this wrong and I'm going to do different. You offer a sacrifice and you obey. Now, Jonah knew that. He's a prophet of God. He's probably delivered that message many times in his career. So what does he say when the sailors, who are just now being introduced to God, ask, what do we do to make your God happy? This is what Jonah says down in verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So the prophet of God, who knew that what you do when you've done something wrong is pray, repent, offer a sacrifice, obey, this prophet says, kill me. Because that's what this meant. They're nowhere near the shore. The storm is going on. There's no other boats around. If they throw him into the sea, they're killing him. What Jonah is saying is, I would rather be dead than do what God has asked me to do. I would rather die than go preach to those Ninevites. That's how bad it is. Now, these sailors are not satisfied with that answer. In fact, they try to row back. They try to get back to the shore, but the storm only gets worse instead of better, and they can't get anywhere near it. And so they cry out to Yahweh. These people who've never even heard of Yahweh till this day cry out to Yahweh. They cried out to the, to the Lord, Yahweh, in verse 14. Please, Yahweh, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Yahweh, have done as you pleased. But then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared Yahweh, and they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows to him. Exactly what a good Israelite man should do in the face of crisis, make sacrifice and vows to Yahweh. And there's Jonah in the sea. And we're going to leave him there, all wet, and pick him up next week, okay? But what do we learn from this story? God called Jonah to a specific mission. It was clear what he was supposed to do. Could not have been any clearer. And he went the other direction, attempting to escape from God, and it failed miserably. So what do we learn? When God places a call on your life, choose to engage rather than escape. Choose to engage rather than escape. Now, God's call may not be quite as audible and clear as Jonah's call. Again, you may sense something. God's Spirit may be leading you and you're sure it's what you're supposed to do. Or there's an opportunity in front of you and it's clear that you are positioned to, to take that opportunity on and do something important for God. Okay, you've got a choice. Maybe it's something you want to do, you're excited to do, you're ready to say yes. Maybe it's something you're not so sure about. 
Maybe you don't love doing it. Maybe you're afraid you're going to fail. Maybe you're so busy you're not sure you can fit it into your schedule. And your, your inclination, your temptation might be to, well, we wouldn't run away to Tarshish, but we might just try to ignore it and hope it will go away, and that's our escape. Do something else. Just pretend it didn't happen at all. Let me encourage you to not take the path that Jonah did and engage God's call rather than attempting to escape from it. Now what that means is looking at it and saying, okay, what can I do to take this on and do something with it? God has placed this on me. How can I take it and do it? And maybe you have to say, God, how would you have me rearrange my life? Because i got a lot going on and I've got limited resources, whether it's in terms of time, money, talent, or anything else. God, how can I do what you've called me to do? Maybe that means subtracting something else, doing something different. But you're going to engage God rather than trying to escape it. This can happen in lots of different ways. might be small things. Maybe someone's struggling to change a tire, we help. Maybe someone has something, needs something that we have, we give it. Maybe it's, there's a need in the community and you recognize that with your talents and contacts, you can do something about it. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time, but you're ready to take it on. Or maybe it means serving in a ministry of our church. Three weeks from today, we're going to have our Say Yes campaign the September 11th. And it's an opportunity to say yes to God. A lot of our ministry teams had to take some time off during COVID. They're back in action now. And each one of our teams is going to have a display and sort of list the things that are available to do. And maybe you haven't figured out how to engage in serving God through the ministries of our church. This will be a day to say yes to God. It'll put you in contact with other Christians so that you can develop relationships. It'll allow you to grow deeper in your service and to expand the ministry of the church. So I ask you right now to say yes to this. Just going in the fellowship hall after the service or before on September 11th just to see where you might be able to serve God, where you might be able to say yes. We've got a choice. God has called us all to do something. I mean, every one of us has something that we can contribute, something that we can offer, whether it's in the church or in the community or in our families or in our workplace. It's different for every single one of us. We've got a choice when we see God's call on our lives. Are you going to engage that? Or are you going to try to escape it? Let me encourage you to engage what God is calling you to do. Let's pray together. God, show us your call. We, we want to know what you want us to do. Help us to see what you've called us to do. And God, when we see it, through your spirit, guide us to say yes to you, to engage the call that you placed on our lives so that we can do what you've called us to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.